On this episode of Resi Week, Interlogix shuts down. Dante was all over the CD floor, and Amazon launches Amazon Music HD. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 190, The Long Tail. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and information from the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for AV Nation. TV. And today I am pleased to be joined by the one and only Jason Knott. He is the editor-in-chief at CE Pro. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thank you so much for being here. Next, we have Jimmy Paskey. He is in charge of residential sales at Surgex. How are you, sir? Fantastic. Good to be here. Thank you for being here. And last but not least, we have our honored guest, Mitchell Klein. He is the president of the Z-Wave Alliance. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you. And a happy fall to you and everyone else. Happy fall to you guys too. It is the uh, the first day of fall. First day, it is. We're celebrating it here in Canada with a 85 degree day. It's fantastic. 90 plus here in Boston. Oh yeah, not not fun. Uh, if you were living under a rock, uh, essentially this is our first major week back since Cedia Expo 2019, and we do have some good uh, entertaining news to kind of cover out of that. The first of which, as I alluded to with the honored guest of, of Mr. Klein here, uh, at this year's show, he earned the CDA Lifetime Achievement Award. You can check this out uh, on our website at avnation.tv. It gives a full rundown of your history and all the things you've done. And, uh, you know, one of the, the key takeaways I, I had from that, uh, that, that press release there, Mitch, was that you, you've guided and mentored thousands of people within the CI channel. And as much as that might sound as, you know, kind of like lip service to the, oh yeah, no, he's, he's mentored hundreds of, you know, hundreds and thousands of people. It, it as far as I'm concerned, it's true because I know you and I have had countless uh, in-depth conversations where you've really helped me see things that uh, maybe I wasn't seen due to your experience and everything. So first of all, congratulations to you on that. Uh, it is a a great thing, and we're glad that uh, at least I was able to be there. I'm not sure if uh, either of you gentlemen were in the room when that happened, but it was a no. I was fantastic. I, I was there. I know you were there. <laughs> oh, okay. You gave a nice okay. speech. You brought the family up. You almost made me cry, which was annoying. Um, and I've mostly forgiven you for it, only because I didn't actually cry. But you know, yeah. uh, it was fantastic. Hey, listen, you, you know what? I, I can joke and all that, and there's a lot, a lot to joke about. But in reality, I actually had not really recognized or acknowledged how many people really were impacted by some of the things that I did and tried to do over the course of the years. And to me, the most rewarding part wasn't so much getting up on stage, but having everyone come over to me uh, during the several days at Cedia and just thanking me and, and wow. I mean, yeah, it was a pretty emotional experience and I thank everybody for, for, uh, for that. And I think that really is true. Every time I saw you, somebody was stopping to, to chat and I'm sure they were interested in the Z-Wave Alliance, but uh, I'm I sure wish. There, there were, <laughs> <laughs> I know there was a lot of congratulatory uh, sentiments and such there. 
All right, gentlemen, uh, as much as I'd love to devote the entire show to Mitch, uh, that'd be kind of unfair to the other two guys here. So let's kick it off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro. If you missed it, uh, literally three days ago, uh, a bombshell was somewhat dropped as Interlogic announced that they were going to shut down and wind down all operations by the end of 2019. Now, Interlogics, if you don't know who they are, they provide a uh, residential and commercial security product. They're a division of UTC, Climate Controls and Security, and they're going to wind this business down uh, over the course of the next couple of months and be done, finito, by end of the year. So Jason, I do want to start with you on this one. This was something that I know... Uh, our local distributor, this has been one of their big brands. This is something that they push right alongside uh, Honeywell and 2Gig and some of the other major players in integration. This is not some little podunk uh, security company that you know has been fledging for years trying to make a, make a run of it. This caught me completely off guard. This is not something I expected. This is not anything that I saw forecasted. Were you in the same boat? Is this something you expected to see? No, I'm in the same boat. I was very, very surprised. And again, I'm honored to be on the panel with Mitch. And Mitch, congratulations if I don't uh, forget to say that. Um, but no, I was surprised. In fact, our most recent data for the CE Pro 100 market share, they had a 25% market share, second only to Honeywell and security uh, burglar alarm uh, intrusion panel market. So very surprised. The only um, thing I can guess here is is this a signal you know you mentioned they're part of utc utc owns uh, you know rockwell collins uh aerospace they own pratt and whitney um um uh, airplane manufacturing and they also make um engines and they also make uh, um plant power plants around the world uh hamilton standard i mean they're a big mega company so you know, this is, I think, maybe a sign of when you see a, a division, this Interlogics was probably a, a, a blip on the fingernail from a revenue standpoint of all of UTC. And I'm certain they were, you know, I shouldn't say I'm certain. I can't imagine they weren't making money. But it looks, you look at a big company like that, and they're, they're shuffling the chess pieces around, looking for which chess piece makes the most money. and um, and this one falls prey, whether it has anything to do with uh, the Chinese tariffs and the profitability there, I don't know. But um, yeah, I was very surprised by it because they have a, a, a big market share and somebody's going to have to swoop into that spot. Yeah. Jimmy, when, when you see this, you've been in manufacturing for quite a while. Uh, is it surprising to you that they just shut it down? I, I understand what Jason's saying, that it's a big corporate uh, entity and they're probably just looking at balance sheets and going, yeah, no, this isn't cutting it. You're done. Is it surprising that they did that opposed to trying to sell it off or, or just move it somewhere? Obviously, we don't know any inside information on that, but is this not something that you would expect just to see spun off? I just, I look at it in contrast to what we just witnessed in Denver, right? In Denver, all we saw were corporations getting larger through mergers and acquisitions. The past few years in the CEDIA space, we've seen so much of that. And here's somebody coming out of the space. And the only thing I can think of is Google. Wasn't it Google and Microsoft, what, um, 10 years ago? They tried to get into the 
residential security. I think that lasted a year or two, and then they kind of got out of it pretty quick. And so maybe this is just like Jason's saying, where, where is the focus of our company and where should it be to maximize on profits? Very interesting. Yeah, and, and if I could add in, they didn't shut down the whole climate and controls and security group. You know, they still have KIDA smoke detectors. They still have mm -hmm. Linnell access control. So they still have a, a, a fingerprint uh, in the security space. Just as Jimmy points out, maybe just they're looking at the resi space and, and, and they just don't want to play there. So yeah. Mitch. Yeah, I can build on that for a second. Um, so I think if you look at where they are with their panels, their panels are old school. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're looking at companies like what Qualsys is doing, which is really pushing the envelope. Uh, Honeywell Home, also known as Residio, they're all moving into this smart home side and getting the touch panels, Z-Wave and other platforms. And Intellogix, listen, big company looking at it going, hey, for us to get there, we have to invest X for this ROI versus go here. And, you know, the decision they made isn't surprising to me. It's more about the timing and the suddenness of it than the decision itself. So let me switch the conversation for, for one moment. We, we've obviously talked about how this affects manufacturing, et cetera. How do dealers, how do, how do security companies deal with this when either you have products that are spec'd, that are ready to go, and all of a sudden you hear it's done. What do you do with your existing clients that are expecting ongoing support for that product? We've all, you know, it says it right in, in the story that they're planning to support this going forward. I can attest that we've had security companies that have folded or been purchased and, and renamed, rebranded, and support becomes a nightmare. What do integrators do? Mitchell, I'll kind of direct this to you. What do integrators do and, and how do they communicate that to their clients? First of all, I don't think we've heard the rest of the story. They may close it down, but I would imagine that there's plenty of security companies who want to swoop in and pick up those customer lists and client lists. So I don't think we've heard the last of it. Someone's going to come in and pick up those pieces. Um, in terms of if you've already specified but not installed, I don't think there's anything proprietary in that that you couldn't fill in with something else. Perhaps the pricing may be different, the use case may be different, but overall from a functional standpoint, it's not a whole lot of difference. And if it turns out they have to make a change later on down the road, I mean, this would be a serious upgrade. People have these old fashioned panels in their wall. And as a dealer, if, if you need a support or service opportunity to move them up into the smart home from there, you've got some panel upgrades. I don't really see it as a disaster for the installers as much as it is for, uh, for the folks who actually work for and sell Interlogix products. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Tech Today. And I, I got to say, this was one of the things that excited me the most coming out of CD Expo as Mitch Clanton smiles in the background. Dante was being spoken all over the, uh, the show floor. Jimmy, I, I, I'm going to start with you on this one. Dante has been a absolute staple in the pro AV, the live sound space for gosh, five years easily. Now they're doing fantastic things with Dante. I'm on one hand surprised it took this long to show up into residential, but at the same time, just wildly excited about what can happen with Dante in residential. Why is it important that we see some of these 
pro-grade technologies coming into residential spaces? It, well, it's interesting from the perspective of Surgex, we, we have a, a, a steep history in, in pro and commercial. And I think it translates well to residential from the standpoint of we're always in mission critical applications. And the commercial space absolutely has to have reliability, you know, ease of operation. And I think in the residential world, we certainly, our clients want, you know, ease of operation. Of course, our integrators are going to make that happen no matter what, but reliability is a bonus, right? So that translates well. Um, I, uh, I also think that I'm hearing more and more about the Infocom crowd and the Cedia crowd meshing more and more together. I saw so many residential guys at the Infocom in Orlando, mm -hmm. and we had a few commercial guys show up on my badge scan leads, or badge scans anyway, uh, for booth attendance at Cedia. So it's, that always is interesting to watch that dynamic continue to morph. Yeah, it, it's very interesting to watch. I, I've noticed that as well. Uh, you know, to follow up on that, uh, Matt, um, so our most recent data showed that in 2018, the typical residential integrator had 32% of his revenues come from commercial. And mm -hmm. about a month before the show, I was down visiting a major manufacturer and they're showing me what the, st the stuff they're going to debut. And then all of a sudden they got to telecom systems and and all this sort of stuff and, and conference boardroom microphones. And I said, well, why are you showing me this? And they said, well, mm. this is what's going on. Anything that's less than five, they use the term five boardrooms in a commercial establishment. The commercial guy isn't doing that job for the most part. The residential guy is. And they have actually defined it as a quote unquote resi-mercial division within their company. And they are... The, the primary installer of these smaller project light commercial, you know, we've already already seen re these guys doing bars and restaurants and those sorts of things. We're not talking about industrial complexes or Disney world, but corporate boardrooms with like four or five boardrooms in it. That mm -hmm. CD guy's doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very entertaining to watch. Mitch, when you see this, the crossover is there. We know it's there. What does this mean for the residential integrator who is not used to this kind of technology? They, they, as Jason alluded to, they may be in those smaller boardrooms, but those smaller boardrooms aren't necessarily using uh, Dante. They're not using some of these more advanced network audio transport solutions. Is there going to be pushback from traditional residential integrators or are they going to get on board and, and just learn how this works? Well, I think there's, there's uh Two, two points to that. First of all, yeah, they have no choice. If they're using products with Dante, they got to jump on it. Uh, years ago when I was doing product for uh, another company, uh, before we went with Ethernet, we actually looked into Dante. Actually, it was CobraNet, I think, was the one even before Ooh, that. Yeah. But, um, Dante become the better version of that. And Dante is the ideal solution from the mixing console to the stage because single patch and long distance for, uh, you know, aligning time in, a, in an amusement park or um, some type of sound reinforcement in a stadium. And I struggled to figure out why and how I would use it in a home. Um, it's audio. And, mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah, maybe out into a long distance run to the backyard or something. But I'm not really clear on the appropriate use case 
outside of a closed loop like a JBL synthesis where everything just patches together with a single cable. But outside of that, I'm not clear on where the benefit would be in the residential community. But that said, uh, if you guys are doing resi-mercial, yeah, read up on it, understand how it works, and be prepared to, uh, to start working with it. So, Jason, let me bring this back to you. Mitch is saying that he doesn't necessarily see the use case. Uh, I know myself, I, I can see the use case. I also understand where it can be overkill. Where is that, where is that dividing line going to be? Is it going to be the fact that manufacturers are putting it in and we're going to get some forced adoption? into it or is it going to be finding the use case and making the sale um i don't think integrators respond uh, um, acceptingly to being force fed something i think you're going to have to find the application um granted there were 17 companies with dante at the show so it wasn't you know a you know minuscule outlier so there's clearly something there um but Again, I don't think they're, I think they're going to have to find that application before they adopt it. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's continue the audio conversation and move on to our likely last story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro. Uh, Amazon announced late last week that they are going to launch Amazon Music HD. It is a new tier of premium quality music that will offer over 50 million songs in HD. Uh, read that as CD quality as well as over a million songs in Ultra HD, <laughs> uh, their highest quality streaming audio that will be available. This will uh, retail in the neighborhood of $13 for Prime members or $15 for standard Amazon customers. Uh, Jason, I'm going to come back and, and, and start with you on this one. <clears throat> when you follow this, obviously there has been a demand for higher quality streaming opportunities. Amazon being such a juggernaut, what does this do? I, I, I've read stories already saying that Apple can't compete with this, that Spotify won't be able to compete with this at this point, that Amazon's literally just going up against Tidal. Is that where this is going to, is that, is that where this is going to play or will Spotify and, and Apple Music catch up quickly or will there be another player? Um, from... From the people I've talked to, they believe Apple at some point is going to do this also. Um, I, I can't speculate about Spotify. I don't know. Um, I thought it was interesting. Amazon pulled out all the stops with the direct quote from Neil Young in the announcement that it was going to, quote unquote, change the world. Um, Just like a pony player? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I kind of use my wife as a, as a litmus test on a lot of these things, and I don't know what the reaction will be. But we are, like, I think like a lot of families, huge Amazon Prime members. She is like a devotee to Amazon Prime. And so um, whenever something comes out with, that's outside of the Prime membership, it kind of pisses her off. So I don't know, you know, where this is going to fall from that standpoint of the, the housewife who, who is going to want to listen to high quality music or is going to be upset about the fact that Amazon wants another chunk of money outside of prime. So I, I do, I do think it's a trend. Amazon's such a juggernaut. You can't say that, that they're not going to move the market in some way, shape or form. Mitch, when, when you hear what Jason's saying, um, I, I would agree that that was my quick takeaway was another 
you know, five bucks added on top. Sure. No problem. But another 15, what, $14, uh, $35 Canadian, most likely, because that's how this works. Uh, Mitch, when you, when you see this, is this something that most Amazon members are going to be jumping on? Because to me, the, this is an odd divide. Most of our prime customers, they don't necessarily care about the Apple music side or sorry, the, the Amazon music side of things. If they want high quality, they're not getting that through Amazon. That's not where their mind's at. Yeah. I'll tell you, Matt, it's, it's the long tail. Most, you don't need most. All you need is the long tail. I mean, look at how many, how many uh, users they have on the prime side. We don't need most. If they take that long tail all the way up, they probably got more than Apple iTunes. Uh, and with Apple messing around with iTunes and killing that, um, yeah, I, I think I think it's a, first of all it's an enormous opportunity for our channel mm -hmm. because now you have a way to demonstrate to do a demo of what high quality sound is like and you have an opportunity to sell up and to improve people's experiences so that's awesome I think our our industry our channel should jump all over this uh, but that said I'm already paying for Hulu uh, Netflix I think I have the family membership for Apple I for Apple Music, whatever they're calling it. Uh, CBS is now saying you got to subscribe to that as well as Disney and NBC announced theirs. But God knows where else. So uh, we're also paying subscriptions for the security monitoring uh, for my phone. I mean, at, at some point, though, we get oversaturated. So it's not about the music alone. It's about how many more of these monthly expenditures can we pick up on? I don't know. But as an industry... Yeah, we should jump on it and subscribe and start touting it to all of our friends and family. So, Jimmy, let me ask you this. I've actually got two questions for you. One, to, to pull off Mitch's point for a second. Do people get oversaturated with the monthly subscriptions or do they start to forget about them? Because I, for one, I, I subscribe to CBS All Access or whatever it's called, and I never use it. And I don't think about it till I get the email saying, hey, you just paid for another month. Yay. <laughs> I, I think it's two. I think it's both. I think number one, to Mitch's point, uh, hopefully the Resi space can use this to help them and their cause of educating the, the whole mass of uh, their client base to better audio. Use it to, to try to drive that for sure. Number two, um, I just did a quick Google search, title subscriptions, it said three million. It, whatever popped up, I didn't go in and, and try to research Spotify said 100 million. I said Amazon Prime subscriptions, 100 million. It seems to me that Amazon's trying to consolidate for everyone. So maybe you're paying 15 bucks for that Spotify family, and now you can get 15 bucks to Amazon, get the two birds, one stone. The problem I'll have is I can't remember my damn passwords on any of these things to cancel them. So I remember having Tidal and Spotify for two years because one day I thought I'd have high-res title up against Spotify convenience. And I never did the AB, and then I couldn't remember my passwords to get rid of title when, uh, when it was purchased. So, you know, that's the problem. But, you know, if they can help me with that through some other service they'll sell me, that'd be great. <laughs> Fantastic. Gentlemen, the last question I have about this is, does all of this just bring back to us an opportunity to go back to our clients and remind them about the importance of network and, and, and all of that. And, and take this from a, because so quickly it's a, it's a media conversation, which we just had. 
but we don't get any money when we go and, you know, encourage someone necessarily to get Apple Music HD. But if we remind them that if they want Apple Music HD, one, you need some better speakers, you need a better DAC, you need a better this, plus your network might need some work. Is that, is, is that the big opportunity here? Yeah, infrastructure and quality all around. Yes. Yeah, I'll never forget the experience uh, just last summer. My son's 20 years old. This isn't anything new. And I gave him my old high-quality headphones to replace his little earbuds, and it blew him away. He just like, oh, my God, it just blew him away. And now he's got all this great hi-fi in his dorm room. But, again, that exposure, it, it, I, it, great opportunity. Go for it. Very good. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. That's all the time we have today. Uh, Jimmy, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Surgex, where can they do that? Well, we're all over the social media for sure. Just look at at AV on LinkedIn or over at Facebook, ESPSurgex.com for product information. And you can get our contact information at any one of those outlets. Excellent. Thanks again for being here. Uh, Jason, my friend, thanks again for joining us as well. If people want to connect with you, learn more about CE Pro, where can they do that? They can go to cepro.com for the website. Uh, the Twitter handles are <clears throat> at CE underscore pro or at Jason W. Not. Excellent. And uh, my good friend, Mitchell Klein, uh, thanks again for being here, Mr. CDA Lifetime Achievement Award recipient. If people want to connect with you and learn more about Z-Wave Alliance, where can they do that? Hey, it's always a pleasure to be here, as you know. You can email me at mitch at zwavealliance.org. There's a hyphen, Z hyphen, Wave Alliance. You can also tweet at me, at Mitchell underscore Klein, K-L-E-I-N. And to learn more about Z-Wave, I'm not sure how you would do that. Um, I'm, or you just go to zwavealliance.org. You could do that too. That's the easiest way to get there for sure. Yeah, it is. it's a good start. <laughs> yeah, good start. Good start. Excellent. Well, thank you again, gentlemen. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. As a minor personal note, uh, the CDA Board of Director elections are up again, and I've been honored to be nominated uh, again this year. So if you'd like to get more information, uh, obviously tweet at me or uh, shoot me an email. But please, uh, whether you vote for me or don't vote for me, get out there and, and vote for your Board of Directors. They and, and, and we are the group that help direct where this industry association is going. And it's great if you can put your voice to that. Thanks again. Uh, again, if you get a chance to vote for me, but thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. There was that plug good enough for you, Mitch? Vote Matt. <laughs> vote for Matt. <laughs> Hashtag vote for Matt. <laughs>